Hello, I'm Matt, and this is Ghostthropology. Ghostthropology presents discussion of ghost stories and beliefs, and how we share ghost folklore, and importantly, how belief in the supernatural reflects who we are. While I don't know when or where or how you are listening, I hope it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 59, The Bandage Man of Cannon Beach. This is a bit of a shorter episode than normal, but I think you'll enjoy it. You might also be a bit grossed out by it, but for some folks, that's part of the fun. On the roads outside of Cannon Beach, Oregon, and especially on an old, now bypassed, section of road that used to be part of Highway 101, a strange and disturbing creature stalks the night. Drivers have long reported seeing a man, clad from head to toe in bandages, stayed with blood and other, less identifiable, fluids. Those who have come close report that this strange, mummy-like creature smells horrible, as if he is rotting. He's not there every night. You might pass through without incident. But if there's a lightning storm, stay home, as the lightning is known to bring the bandage man out. And those who slow their vehicle sufficiently, or who are unlucky enough to be walking when the creature comes out towards the road, have been savagely attacked. The Bandage Man is a violent, angry ghost. Sometimes it is claimed that the Bandage Man can simply appear in passing vehicles, without any obvious entry. The first indication drivers have of his appearance is the smell of rotting flesh. When they look around, they see him in the back seat, but he vanishes as soon as he is noticed. Although, according to other stories, he stays and only vanishes when the car enters the town of Cannon Beach. Still other stories tell that he waits for pickup trucks and jumps into the bed as they drive by, with murder on his mind. His intended victims are the unaware drivers and passengers. Sometimes the bandage man leaves behind bits of putrescent bandages, the only physical evidence left of him. Oddly, the bandage man is also said to eat dogs. Sometimes this detail's just added to a story, but other times the dog-eating part takes center stage. There is a story regarding one specific incident. The bandage man had wandered into the town of Cannon Beach, walked to Old Bill's Tavern, now known as Bill's Tavern and Brewhouse, and smashed the front window. He then reached inside, grabbed a dog that just happened to be there, and ate it. There are those who say that his diet consists of more than dogs. He's also rumored to eat forest animals. It is also said that people reported missing on the Oregon coast are actually meals for the bandage man. There are a few different stories describing the origins of this being. Most stories, however, are some variation of the following. Back in the 1930s, logging was big business in this, quite literal, stretch of the woods. Logging is a dangerous job and it was not unusual for the workers to be injured either due to the hazards inherent in felling trees or by equipment used either in the field or back at the sawmill. One unlucky logger was in the sawmill when equipment malfunctioned, horribly injuring him. The other workers bandaged him up while they waited for an ambulance, but his injuries were so extensive that they had to, in essence, wrap his body completely to try to reduce the bleeding. The ambulance arrived and he was put inside to be taken to the nearest hospital, but the ambulance never made it. 
The vehicle was trapped in a landslide along the road. When emergency crews were finally able to get it out, the logger had vanished, apparently wandering off into the woods. And there he remained, lashing out at anyone he encountered. Of course, this was 90 years ago. He's long since dead, but his spirit remains in those woods, restless and in agony from the injuries he received in life. This ghost is not some insubstantial spirit, but is a physical presence, capable of doing harm to anyone he encounters. There are, of course, variations of his origin. Some tellings place the origin of the Bandage Man during a World War II lumber boom rather than the 1930s. Sometimes it is said that he fell into a saw that cut him badly in multiple places, rather than his injuries being the result of damaged or exploding equipment. Sometimes, the ambulance is said to have slid off the road due to a storm, rather than having been caught in a landslide. Still others say that the man died before reaching the hospital, or even before the ambulance arrived, and was resurrected by some dark magic. Who performed the resurrection spell and why has been left unstated, but the end result was the creation of a horrifying revenant that stalks the forests of the Oregon coast. Interestingly, there are stories that have him not a man at all, but a vengeful spirit of no earthly origin. His similarity in appearance to an injured or mummified human is coincidental, or perhaps even a result of spirits trying to trick their human victims. Whatever the story, the bandage man is said to be violent and malevolent. Therefore, he is to be avoided. And, of course, Avoiding him is exactly what many generations of teenagers have tried very hard to not do. Visiting the location where he is said to wander is a rite of passage, as well as a way to kill an otherwise boring evening. Near the town of Seaside, near the junction of Highways 26 and 101, there is another story of a bandage man. This specter is said to wait for pickup trucks to pass by and then he jumps into the back and begins pounding on the rear window to get the attention of the driver and the passengers. When they turn to look, he vanishes, leaving behind a pile of bloody bandages. Whether this is the same bandage man found at Cannon Beach or a different creature is a matter of some debate. However, Cannon Beach and Seaside are only nine miles apart, and the junction in question is near the halfway mark between them. It seems likely that this is just the same story, with the Bandage Man's territory expanded slightly. Still, if the Bandage Man has a larger territory, that's bad news for the living. If you find yourself driving along the Oregon coast at night, it may serve you well to be wary of who or what ever might be watching you from the woods. Commentary. This is a beautiful urban legend, complete with claims of physical evidence left behind. The bandages are often said to mark the scene of his attacks, much like the hook left behind by a serial killer in one popular urban legend. Like the hook man, the bandage man seems to primarily harass teens who were parked in the woods. However, the bandage man also has elements of another urban legend, the vanishing hitchhiker. Unlike most vanishing hitchhiker stories, the bandage man doesn't request a ride home, but he is said to sometimes appear in passing cars. Also, the classic vanishing hitchhiker leaves something behind. A piece of clothing, a puddle of water, or, in one story that I've recently read, a small pool of blood. And the bandage man leaves behind stinking, putrescent, and filthy bandages. Elements of the story are pretty damn creepy, although the part about eating dogs, well, 
probably intended to be horrifying simply sounds rather silly. Were it phrased more simply as local pets go missing and are later found with human teeth marks, then maybe it would be effective. But instead, it is usually phrased along the lines of, so the spooky bandage-covered ghost that stalks the night and may be watching you right now? Uh, well, it eats dogs. And that's just funny. Still, the notion of a forest-dwelling evil creature is likely to make the hair on the back of your neck stick up. As someone who has driven on California's forested coastal highways late at night, I can attest that it is easy to let one's imagination run away and to start seeing all manner of evil creatures out of the corner of your eyes. In addition, the presence of a specific location, the bypass section of the old highway or the intersection of Highway 101 and Highway 26, allows legend tripping for the youth of the Cannon Beach area. And as far as I can tell, like nearly every other supernatural or psycho-killer urban legend, Nobody believes this story. It is a campfire tale, something meant to give you a chill and elicit a response while you were sitting around trading stories with your friends, but not something to be taken seriously. This is not an insult. This is a great story, and many of the best stories are campfire stories, but it does put the tale into context. The mix of elements, including the death of the logger, the fact that he eats, which is unusual for a ghost, and the similarities to the vanishing hitchhiker and the hookman urban legends all work as part of a campfire story, but tend to seem a bit silly when you are not trading stories with friends in the dark. In truth, like most good campfire stories, this one is as goofy as it is creepy, and it is as likely to elicit laughs as it is to elicit chills. But, as the author of one of my sources notes, not really believing it doesn't stop you from wondering, on a dark night, if the bandage man is out there in the woods watching you. I could not locate solid information on the origins of the bandage man's story. Most of the sources I found indicate that it surfaced in the 1950s. This date seems to come from a 1974 paper written by Debbie Gentling, who was studying folklore at the University of Oregon. This makes sense. The 1950s saw a rise in the popularity of horror movies and a large number of movies that revived the old Universal Studios monsters. Most of these were comedies that tended to poke fun at the source material, but 1959 did see the Hammer Studios remake of The Mummy, which was generally well-respected as a horror film. The 1950s also saw the rise of a teenage culture that involved cars, which allowed young people to get to more isolated locations than would have been possible earlier. These things combined resulted in the creation of new urban legends and in the proliferation of older ones. So, given this information and Miss Gentling's research, it seems likely that the Bandage Man did first appear in the 1950s or early 1960s. Several of the sources I consulted also noted that there were a lot of Bandage Man pranks in the 1960s, with teenagers disguising themselves as mummies and jumping into their friends' pickup trucks or convertibles. But again, there was no specific prank or reliable source mentioned. One of the sources I read even stated that the author of the piece had encountered an older man who indicated that he and some friends were responsible for the creation of the Bandage Man, though no further information was given and the man's identity was left a mystery. That same source stated that the stories of Bandage Man pranks were as much a part of the legend as the Bandage Man himself. If the story does date to the 1950s or 60s, then I wonder about its development. The Bandage Man doesn't function as a typical ghost. He is capable of appearing and vanishing, certainly, 
but he is also corporeal. He has a physical presence and will physically attack people. He even eats. He is less like a ghost, as modern people think of him, and more like a revenant of medieval lore. A corpse returned to life and animated with the spirit of its deceased former owner. And this makes me wonder if the bandaged man began as a non-supernatural campfire story. There is no shortage of tales of men who have wandered into the wilderness following some injury or after escaping from a hospital, usually the psychiatric ward, who wander the woods looking for victims. While it is beyond absurd that somebody so badly injured as to require head-to-toe bandages could survive for long in the wilderness, such absurdities are part of children's and teenagers' campfire stories. The absurdity itself is part of the fun. So I wonder if, in the 1950s, the story wasn't of a ghost or revenant, but instead of a still-living man, gone mad with pain and isolation, wandering in the woods. As time went on, and even healthy members of this man's generation died of natural causes, the story morphed until it was a supernatural entity. I have no way of knowing if this was the case, but it seems like a fairly reasonable notion for how the tale developed. As far as I have been able to determine, the Bandage Man is a -a one-of-a-kind, location-specific urban legend. I consider the seaside and Cannon Beach tellings the same story as they are separated by less than 10 miles. Although elements of the story are common in many widespread urban legends, I have not been able to find anything quite like the Bandage Man anywhere outside of the Cannon Beach slash seaside area. And that makes this a story worth remembering. But Cannon Beach is also host to another, rather less unique spirit. There are those who claim that the spirit of a woman, clad in white and either with no face or simply an empty void where the face should be, wanders the town. She doesn't walk so much as glide, appears at night, and glows. Why do I mention this? Well, white lady ghosts are common throughout the English-speaking world, and also in places outside of the Anglosphere. They are typically said to glide through areas and may simply be strange specters or maybe warnings of danger, but they are usually not too terribly different from each other, and this is a rather run-of-the-mill version. I just thought that it was interesting that a small town that plays host to something unique as the Bandage Man would also be home of one of the most common types of ghost stories. Regardless, several of the sources that I used for this episode lamented that teens no longer told the story of the Bandage Man, but I am not convinced. One of the local surf shops produces Bandage Man t-shirts, and two of the sources I found included local companies, an insurance company, and a pizza place. All of this indicates that the Bandage Man is part of the local lore, and I have yet to meet a teenager who is unaware of their local creepy lore. What's more, the Bandage Man has a strong presence online, meaning that, while the stories may not be as likely to be told while parked alongside the old highway as they once were, they are still passed on. If you have a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail. 
You can find more at kmmamedia.com. Click on the Ghostropology link and you can find episodes, transcripts, sources, and a link to support us through Patreon. Spooky!